Warning, the following podcast contains some real shit. Deep, crazy, weird, occasionally sexy, real shit. So don't bring your kids and use headphones. Or don't. Do you, boo. Okay, love you, bye. My name is Nick, and this is Blowing Smoke Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for joining me for episode two. I had some really great feedback from uh, the first episode, and I greatly appreciate all the love and support that you guys have sent to me. It's been really cool to uh, hear back what everyone thought about everything. Um, So this episode is a little bit interesting where it falls, not only from the last topic of what we spoke of, of our personal walls, but it also falls into my personal life a little too perfectly right now, and we'll get to that, but how are y'all doing? How's it been? How's everyone feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, my life has changed drastically um, since the last episode. The timing of when this is going to be released to when that first episode comes out, it's I'm not entirely sure, but a lot has happened uh, in this time frame, and let's talk about it a little bit. It's You know, it's a little personal, and a lot of the details I'm going to keep to myself for now, um, just because it's currently happening. And I did promise that I would be an open book, um, you know, and tell the truth. And I will stay true to that um, to an extent just for now. Okay. Um, So I am currently going through the beginning processes of divorce. Okay. Which is. A big word to drop on people. Not a lot of people like to hear it. Not a lot of people like to talk about it. I mean, it's not a really great, comfortable topic that people always want to talk about, which is perfect for this time right now, which is perfect for this topic. Um, But again, the details as to why and what happened um, to myself, I'm going to keep that to myself only because it's current and it would not be fair to her and it would not be fair to my son to put, you know, all of our business out there right now while it's still in the process of getting figured out. Okay. So something like that may be unboxed in the future, but for now, just out of respect, I'm just going to keep that details to myself. Um, now what I will say, this whole thing has been one of the like most harder things in my life that I've ever done. It's a complete 180 change from where I thought my life would be, which anybody who's ever gone through this process, you already know how, you know, it happens and how it feels, you know, and everything associated with that. So you can understand where I'm coming from. And maybe those of you that are in a relationship that you feel the same way, or you feel like, Hey, you know, there's no, there's no saving this, or you're maybe you're on your way to that. You can kind of understand that as well. There's a lot of feelings and a lot of things that go into divorce um, and splitting and separating just in general, not just in marriage, but just other relationships, whether that's friendships, um, maybe you're just dating or whatever the case may be, your partner, any sort of separation is difficult. You know, there's a process, there's healing, there's, you know, there's hurt, 
stuff that you need to do in order to keep moving forward. So what I will say is that I am actually doing okay. Better than okay, actually. It's This is something that's been more of like a long time coming. But again, more on that later. Okay, This is definitely not an episode about divorce. Um, there are a lot of topics that we will talk about in the future that will relate to some of the things that I'm currently going through or have gone through or maybe will go through in the future um, and what others have also gone through as well. It's not always easy to talk about any sort of separation, but it is okay to talk about those feelings, which is so important, which is why we're here. Okay, But again, I am actually doing okay. Um you know, I always want to preface that whenever I've told anybody because divorce can be nasty. You know, separation can be horrible. Sometimes it's better for others. Sometimes it's worse for others. You never really know. Okay. And sometimes people just don't talk about how they're actually doing. But I am doing okay. Um, you know, if you want to reach out and say hi to me, check on me. <laughs> no worries. I will talk to you. And I've already had a bunch of people reach out to me and it's been great. But I am actually doing okay, um, which makes it a little bit easier for me to talk about when it comes to those private conversations. But let's move on. My hope is that the more that we do this, the more that it can reach other people. And this can become a bit of a community of people who just want to help others and themselves do the best version of themselves. Okay, so whether or not like an Instagram blows up or whatever other page can blow up or or whatever, it doesn't even have to be that big. If there's a group of people that want to come together and someone makes a comment of like, hey, I'm going through this and I really don't know and I need some help, it would be wonderful to see a group of people other than just myself because I'm not an expert on any of this. I've just had a lot of experiences in life. It would be wonderful to see people come together and be like, hey, I've gone through something similar. Let's talk or I'm here for you, okay? Let's talk about our feelings, more specifically, though, being vulnerable, which is what today's episode is really about. So like I said before in the first episode, these first few are about building the foundation for the rest of the show, okay? And the first one, we talked about breaking down our walls, chipping away at them to see what's behind that wall, okay? But what comes next can sometimes be even harder than the first, which is learning to be vulnerable with not only yourself and others after something has happened and you build enough courage to basically take a step back out and try again. But vulnerability has many different meanings, and we'll get into that. But as I stated before, these first few episodes are to really build that foundation for any and all topics going into the future. We need to be able to be comfortable outside of our comfort zone, okay? So... What is vulnerability? Well, vulnerability is multiple different things, but to name a few, it's letting your guard down, letting other people in, having real honesty with yourself and other people. Intimacy. Intimacy is huge when it comes to vulnerability, and this isn't just like romantic intimacy. This is male intimacy when it comes to two guys talking to each other because we have a lot of issues with that. You know, intimacy platonically with other friends. It's just intimacy is more than just one thing. And it's very, very important. And I feel like we lose that so often. Um, Vulnerability is also starting over. That goes hand in hand with that honesty with yourself sometimes. So basically, it's anything that involves you bringing down your walls and moving past it. Okay. Because you don't have that barrier up anymore and you're vulnerable. Which can make that difficult. 
And what makes it difficult is a lot of times these things come from our past, okay? So whenever you've been through some sort of trauma or difficult situation, it can be incredibly hard to open yourself up again and let yourself be seen by yourself or others. You know, maybe you've been protecting yourself for so long that even the thought of opening up stresses you out. I know it does for me in the past and currently when it comes to even thinking about um, opening myself back up to different opportunities in different directions, you know, the fear of the past repeating itself can be a huge obstacle to finding what could be good for you, even if you want to try and find it. You know, you could have that want where you chip down your wall and you saw over past it or you broke through and you may want that fresh start. You may want something new. Uh, you want a change, but it can still be a huge obstacle because maybe you haven't been vulnerable and let that guard down in a really, really long time. And that's terrifying. You know, you went past that wall. Now you don't have anything protecting you. So it's difficult. And there's that fear. You know, opening yourself up in general is difficult as it is. But when you add on top of that, like past, you know, everything changes. You know, generally new relationships romantically, new relationships as friendships, um, business opportunities, professional, personal life, rekindling old relationships of any kind. That can be difficult because it needs some level of vulnerability for it to work. Now, again, adding on any past trauma and experiences makes it that much harder. You know, maybe you struggle with body image, like you aren't attractive or beautiful, which you are, by the way. Don't let nobody tell you no shit any different. You're beautiful, and I love you. You're hot. But maybe you feel that way because someone said something to you a while back, and it's stuck with you, and it's been stuck in your head, and you look at yourself, and you're like, I... I don't like what I see. I battle with that personally. I battle with self-image a lot. I've tried to change my image multiple times. Like I've worked on my image a lot. It's It's been very difficult for me to accept what I see in the mirror. I'm getting to a better point where I can look and actually be like, you know, I actually look good. I like how I look. But it's difficult. It's hard because there's a lot of different standards. Okay. Or maybe it's as serious as like a mental and emotional abuse that someone pushed on you, whether it's in a relationship or someone else that you knew or someone around you, or maybe you were neglected for so long by someone that you lost sense of any confidence and your own personal beauty. You get my point with that though. Okay. Body image is huge for a lot of people, men and women. We don't always talk about it so much, but it's there. You know, we don't like what we see. Okay, Or maybe it's a past relationship that really broke you into pieces for any number of reasons and the thought of putting yourself back out there just terrifies you. Just terrifies you. You know, I recently had a conversation with a friend of mine and she was talking about how her past relationship really just kind of broke her up and it's been difficult for her to get back into the swing of things and she has a little bit, but it's taken a long time because again, that past relationship destroyed her image of herself and who she was and it's very common this happens literally all the time and why we don't talk about it enough is just ridiculous now there are tons of people that talk about it and tons of other podcasts that talk about it which is fantastic but my hope is that we just keep growing keep talking about these things okay or you know maybe you had a job 
that you worked really hard at. You went to school for it. You know, you studied, you did all these things, and you have this job, and you wanted to make it a career, and something happened, or you got let go, and your passion to find something new, like, was just stripped from you, because you thought this is what you were going to do, and that was taken from you, okay? You see where I'm going with all of this. Past trauma and past experiences can make it incredibly difficult for you to move forward, bring down those walls and start fresh because you you're afraid it's going to get hurt again okay so as you know as I like to do I like to give examples and for now we'll do examples just from my life and the more we go on and I have other people on the show we'll get different perspectives on different things but let me tell you a story um so a long time ago um I was in ministry you know, I'm trying to follow my father's footsteps, and everyone is always so surprised when I tell them this. They're like, you were in ministry. I was like, yeah, I was in, in ministry. This was a while back. <laughs> I was a completely different person than I am now. Um, but I had a huge passion for helping people and being there when people needed me, and that's what I wanted to do. You know, I felt like this is what I needed to do. I saw my dad do it, and I, you know, I really look up to my dad. He's a great, wonderful man. And that's what I wanted to do. The problem was, is I was young. And when I look back at it, I realized I was too young to be doing the things that I was doing. Okay. So my start really came around when my dad became a head pastor in a church up in Greenville, Michigan. Um, We had previously lived in the Flint area and he was an associate pastor and a youth pastor. And then he got a head pastor position across the state. So I only had a couple years left in high school when we moved there and I was fully involved with, you know, church things and I was leading music on Sundays and such. And, um, my big passion at the time was music and youth ministries. You know, I had been doing that for a little bit and going to college when I thought an opportunity of a lifetime had come across my path. And I thought that this was what was supposed to be for me. So, the head pastor of the church that my dad was an associate and youth pastor in, this is also the church that I grew up in, came across the state to visit the church and uh, to preach that Sunday. I don't exactly remember the reason why, but I believe it was earlier on when my dad was being there um, and he had come over. So he knew me, of course, we had spent a lot of time together and we got to talking about my future and what I thought my calling was. I did that in quotations. Um, not to discount anybody that is in that profession who had got that, but my experience has been very different. Um, but for those of you that are not religious, um, and don't really know exactly what a calling is, a calling can mean a few different things, but it's whenever someone believes that, you know, their spiritual entity has spoken to them directly or sent them a sign to go out and serve in their name you know, which could be a multitude of things, whether or not they're a missionary and they go somewhere, they're a pastor, so on and so forth. That is their calling to do something with their life, okay? So he and I have begun talking about this, and, you know, his eyes lit up and everything, and a few days later, he gives me a call and offers me the position of the youth pastor and director at the same church that I grew up in and the same church my dad served in. So, of course, I say yes. I mean, I couldn't believe it. This was an amazing opportunity that was given to me. 
and I was really excited. My passion was just through the roof. I'm like, this is it. This is my sign. I'm going. Yes, absolutely. So I packed my things, and I moved back to Flint, Michigan. And this was just great. Love, like just everything was great, or so I thought. So things started off fine. Things started off great. I was loving my new position, being back in the place that I grew up, seeing the people that had watched me grow up. Like I saw a lot of like old friends, a lot of people that I missed and loved. And I was partnered up with another guy who, uh, his name was Aaron, and he was also semi from that area. He was black, I'm white. And the significance of that is that church had merged together, was previously a predominantly white church, and they merged together with a predominantly black church and came together to be like a mixed church. And, you know, in theory, that's, you know, that's great. You want to bring people together. It's wonderful. And it was the same thing when they brought the two of us together. You know, we wanted to be able to reach as many people as possible from all different walks of life. So not only did we work together, but we actually lived together in an apartment um, and we ran this program for this large church. It wasn't small, you know, it was an inner city church, um, good size. And again, it started off great and I felt good. I was about 19 at the time, I believe. And it wasn't long though when things started to go wrong, like horribly wrong. So there is a lot to this story, but we're going to try to stay on topic here a little bit. On my birthday, this is probably just a couple months after I had started. On my birthday, I had found out that Aaron had been sexually involved with a youth member of our group. Now, she was 18 at the time, but she was still part of our youth group. And, you know, and anybody in sort of a leadership position knows that really getting involved with someone that is under you or you know, you're leading a bunch of people and you get involved, that is kind of a big no-no, and especially, you know, in a church setting. So even worse, I had found out that these things happened in my apartment while I wasn't there. So I was left with this incredibly difficult decision. There was only a very small handful of people that knew about this, and I was told about it. So I didn't know what to do, and I knew I didn't have a lot of time to come up with a decision, so I went home to go see my parents um, and talk to them about this. So my dad and I had sat down. I told him everything that I knew. Um, and he did not envy me. You know, again, I was 19. I hadn't experienced something like this firsthand. You know, it, it just wasn't something I had come across. So after we talked for a little bit, like I knew what the right thing for me to do. But, you know, my dad told me that ultimately... The decision was mine, and I had to make it, whether this was to come forward about this or not say anything at all and just move on. So I went back, and when I got back, I had a private meeting with the head pastor, you know, my boss, and basically laid everything out to him because I felt like I couldn't properly lead these kids if I knew that things like this were happening. It, it was really messing with my mind where... Like one, I didn't want a friend of mine to get in trouble. I didn't want him, you know, I didn't want anything bad to happen to him. But at the same time, I felt like I had a responsibility to these children and these teenagers. Like it was, it was really, really tough. So I battled with that a lot, but I sat down with him and we talked and I'll never forget what he told me 
after we talked for a little bit. But he's, you know, he said, people are going to blame you and come up with stories about you, you know, once everything comes out. And, you know, I thought I understood what that meant. But he was more right than I think either of us could have known at the time. So shortly after that, you know, he calls Aaron into his office. It might have been a day or two after that. And Aaron was fired, but he was still allowed to live in my apartment. You know, the church was paying for it, and we were both on the lease, so he was able to live there, which made my home life incredibly uncomfortable because he knew that I had gone to um, the head pastor about it, and he blamed me for it, and there was just that huge tension at home as well as, you know, at my place of work as well and place of worship at the time. So at that time, I was left alone to lead a large group of kids without any backup. And I failed. I just did. You know, I was young and I was supposed to be being, you know, led to help, you know, some people were going to be teaching me with certain things and those didn't happen. And I failed. I tried. Of course I tried. But it really didn't take long for those stories to come out that it was actually me that was messing around with somebody or that me and my girlfriend at the time um, were the issue. All these different stories left and right because people just like to talk. People like gossip. And it happens a lot in a church setting. So there were a lot of people that didn't like me anymore because they didn't know the whole story or you know they had, were more connected with Aaron than myself. And I really started to see behind the curtain and it was horrible. So the next few months had gone by and I did what I could and I made really great relationships with these kids. Some I still have today and I love them to death and I've loved watching them grow up. But it wasn't enough for some people. My style of teaching when it came to kids and youth groups was talking about life and helping others and doing things what we could to make things a better situation for ourselves and other people. It wasn't just like reading the Bible and preaching. Like that wasn't my style. That's never been my style before. And I wasn't, you know, going to change it now. And it just wasn't good enough. You know, like I said, there is a lot more to this story, but it takes us away from the topic a bit. So in November of that same year, a meeting was called with myself, uh, Aaron was called into it. It was supposed to be a parents meeting with all the parents of the kids in the youth group, which wasn't the case. There was only a couple. The other parents didn't know about it. I didn't find that out till later. The head pastor was there and my mentor was there, which he was an associate pastor at that church. His name was Kevin. So this whole meeting, I go in, I sit down, and it turned into a bash fest of me and how horrible I was doing at my job and me in general, my character. No one spoke about anything that Aaron did. And he was in there because they had been talking about, you know, forgiving him and bringing him back and things of that nature. But he just sat there, you know, and it became just just a horrible, awful experience. No one defended me through that whole time. 
um, except for one person, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, my head pastor didn't even defend me. The only person that defended me through this was Kevin. And we don't really talk anymore for personal reasons, but I still have a lot of love for him, and he he carried me through that time. But basically, they gave me a month to turn everything around and to do things their way and how they wanted it to be done. And I knew that I couldn't do that because that's not what those kids needed. You know, I just couldn't do it. So a month had gone by, you know, and I was prepping myself for the worst. And on December 24th, on Christmas Eve, there was another meeting that was called, same people in the room, and yet again, it was just another bashing session of me tearing me apart. I'm 19 years old. Like, I'm doing the best that I can, and they're just ripping me to pieces. Like, I've been doing this for years, and I should know better. Like, I'm just, I gave it my all, right? So, on Christmas Eve, I was fired. This was a Wednesday. And on Wednesdays is when we had, like, youth group get together. You know, we'd play music, play some games. You know, I would do a lesson, and we'd have a good time. So this was literally right before I had to walk in and go teach some kids on Christmas Eve. I remember walking into the room. You know, all the kids are waiting for me as usual. They had no idea what had been going on. And I sat down in the front and began teaching them, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas type things. And as soon as I was done... I let them all know that I was leaving and I wouldn't be coming back. Um, I think at the time, I actually at the time that I lied and I told them I was going back to college, um, which I did eventually, but that wasn't what was happening. And I just, I didn't have the heart to tell them because they didn't need to know. They didn't need to know what was happening. So we, uh, you know, we all cried, we all hugged and, I packed my things and left the next day, and I never went back. Um, I still haven't gone back. So why this story? Why is it important? Why does it relate? So I had thought that this was going to be the path in my life. Like my entire career I thought was going to be ministry, me doing this. Like I was someday going to be a head pastor doing stuff or something like that. And it was ripped away from me. And I didn't go back. Now, I still haven't really gone back to church. That's for multiple different reasons, because I mostly don't agree with organized religion. But um, after that, I moved back to Greenville. You know, I moved back with my parents for a little while. And I did some things, you know, at my dad's church. And But it just wasn't the same. You know, I went back to doing music. I did some youth leadership over there. It just wasn't the same, though. And shortly after that, I left for the Navy, and I didn't go back to church, and I still haven't, and I don't, I don't regret it, um, you know, I love my life and where I'm at, but it's just, it's something that I don't really agree with, but other than that, you know, because this isn't a religious podcast at all, but all of this to say, to bring it back is why it's so hard to be vulnerable. I wouldn't even talk about this story to people for quite a while because it was embarrassing for me and it hurt. Like I didn't know how to process it. 
and I wasn't willing to open myself up to talk about it. So, you know, it can be really hard to trust someone enough to let them into your head or your life, especially if they haven't experienced something like that or you don't know if they have or not. The fear of the unknown is huge, okay? But you don't know what someone will think about you or not, so we tend to keep things to ourselves in order to put up a facade of what we want people to see or what they think they want of us. So today, you know, this whole topic really relates directly with what I'm currently dealing with. You know, I'm separating from someone that I've been with for over seven years, and I'm a completely different person than I used to be seven years ago. You know, I'm having to relearn what it is to be vulnerable with someone else on a deeper level. In the future, you know, who knows what ha- what'll happen, but like, I will have to be able to be better than I was before, and I want to be in general, but relearning that vulnerability on that, you know, that type of level with somebody, that's huge. Now, I feel very lucky that I have an incredible support system with my family, uh, my friends that are here in Tennessee, which I really couldn't do any of this without them, and I know you guys are listening, and uh, this is one of my many thank yous that I owe you immensely. You have been my rock, even even when you didn't know it. Um, you know, I've said before that, you know, I play D&D. I absolutely love it. And the group of guys that I play with are absolutely wonderful, fantastic people. And I owe them a lot. They're really, really good people. But I do have a support system because I trust them. And I trust them, I trust them enough to let them into my life so they can help me in their own ways. Each of them brings something different to the table. You know, whether that's a phone call or late night hangouts or someone just telling me to come over so I could talk. You know, everyone needs that kind of support system. But again, that comes with letting that guard down, letting people in and vice versa. You know, people letting their guard down so they can let you in. It goes both ways. So being truly vulnerable you know, you never know what someone can do for you or what you can do for them until you let that guard down and learn to trust again. It's huge. So even you just being there for somebody or sending a simple text, a call, stopping by, whatever, could mean more to someone than you know, especially men. I talked about this a little bit earlier. I have a whole episode dedicated and coming up uh, with male intimacy. It's so important. Like, men don't talk about things. We, we tend not to talk about our feelings, and it piles up. We put a smile on, we're saying we're fine when we're not. You know, men in general, especially in the past, if you think about it, think of your own dad, think of your grandfather. Like, you hear a lot of times that it was rare for them to cry. It was rare for them to share certain things. That's not a manly thing. You know, this stupid fucking stigma of masculinity and what it means is sickening. And a lot of it, again, comes from the past. You know, the men from the past. Men didn't share their feelings like that. You know, they went to work. They provided for their family. And they didn't pass any sort of that communication down. And it's carried it's carried on, and it's still an issue today. Now, it is getting better with a lot of people, and it's becoming more known about it. But it's still it's still not enough. You know, there's always exceptions to the rules, of course, um, when it comes to topics and everything. You know, I'm not saying every man in the past is just an asshole, but in general, 
you know, men have issues with this. Okay. But before I get on my soapbox of male stupidity, you know, let's stay on topic with being vulnerable. Um, like intimacy, intimacy in general is something people have issues with. Okay. Being truly close to someone in a relationship or a friendship. It's fucking amazing. And it's hard to get sometimes though, because that is a very deep level of vulnerability. Okay. The ability to do that with someone, uh, that they could see you for all of you and they love you and care about you is such a key thing to incredible communication in that specific type of relationship. Okay. Also letting your guard down can be incredibly attractive, at least to me, I think. And from other people that I've talked about, um, when it comes to this, you know, I know at least from the lady standpoint for the women that I talk to, when a man is able to have that type of intimacy with them, talk to them, communicate with them, be honest with them, they actually find them more attractive because they see them for who they are. So, you know, notes, take them down, do whatever you need to do. It's important. But you see how this affects all different aspects of our lives and what it can do for you if you just open up a little bit to yourself and to the right people. And this is something I'm currently learning, and it's been a difficult, but it's a very rewarding process. I'm learning to trust again, trust myself, and trust other people, which is something I've had trouble with for a very long time. Um, I've struggled a lot with having trust issues for many different reasons. But you want to make sure that you surround yourself with people who actually will be there for you and not take advantage of your vulnerability, because some people will, and will twist you into something that you don't want to be so If you do drop your guard, make sure it's with the correct people. I'm not just saying go share your shit with anybody. Because unfortunately, we can't do that. Not everybody has your best interests at heart, unfortunately. Surround yourself with people who actually do and are going to give you sound advice. People who are just going to listen. People that are going to be there for you. Have your squad. Your people. If you're surrounded by people that are really not good for you, don't be around those fucking people. It's not worth it. It's really not worth it. You know, build a foundation for yourself to be successful. Be happy. It's it's worth it. It's good for you. Give it a try. It's great. So how do we be vulnerable? How do we do that? You know, because it's all well and good to talk about opening up to somebody. It sounds great on paper. But it's a fucking process. It's hard. And the first step is really being honest with yourself. Like brutally honest with yourself. No matter what you're going through life, whether it's romantic relationship, professional, personal, anything. It doesn't fucking matter. You have to be honest with yourself. And figure out what it is that you really need and what you want out of life and what you need to do to get it. You know, healthily, of course. But if this involves someone else, you know, try to maybe schedule a time to talk with them. If you don't have the type of relationships with people that you can add the drop of a hat, just be like, hey, I really need to talk or something. Maybe set like a precedent beforehand, schedule a time and just be like, hey, can we get together on Tuesday or something? You know, I just I would just really like to talk. I've got a lot going on. 
you know, that way you're setting the the tone of like, hey, this is what's going on. We're not just going to hang out. Like, I've got some real shit going on. Set that tone so it's not just out of the blue. And follow through with it. Being vulnerable can be terrifying. And I know so many times I've done it myself where, like, I'm trying to set myself up for success. I say I'm going to do something, you know, with somebody to go talk to them, and I cancel because I literally get too scared to do it. You have to follow through because, you know, you need to have that talk with them and let that guard down and let them in close to have that intimate moment. The process is the same no matter what, okay? Whether that's physical, intimacy, emotional, mental vulnerabilities, the process is the same. Be honest with yourself, okay? Follow through, trust yourself. Make sure you do that, okay? And again, trust yourself and others to help you make that right decision in your life. And if you have good people in your life, you know, they'll do what they can to make sure that you're doing the right thing for yourself. You know, they'll do that anyways. So that's why it's so important to surround yourself with good people. So the more that you can do when it comes to being vulnerable, you know, the better that it can be in your life. And it can get a little bit easier. Now, it is a constant practice that requires work every time that you do it. And but it can become a very enjoyable experience and it's freeing at times. On the flip side, like I said before, we need to make sure that you make a space for someone to be vulnerable with you. If you have people that you care about, people in your friend group, your family, your spouse, significant other, make sure that you're creating a safe space for them, you know, a free space that they can be vulnerable to you and can come talk to you, which can be just as difficult, okay? Check in with your people and actually ask them how they're doing. You know, communication is key. And sometimes... Even if someone wants to open up and they really want to, maybe they're too scared, check in on them and like actually check on them. Don't be like, hey, what's up, man? And they're like, ah, nothing, I'm good or whatever. No, like seriously, if you notice something's going on or maybe just do like a fucking wellness check on them and be like, hey, how are you actually doing? Like, how are you mentally doing? What's going on? You know, it doesn't have to be like out of the blue or like you're hanging out with your friends or something and you're just like, you try to have this deep conversation like, you know, Read the room, of course, but check in on your people. Make sure they're doing it okay. You know, make sure they're all right. So, you know, to put that in perspective, um, you know, another example is I had a really good friend. Well, I have a really good friend um, a while back and who had been constantly going through like a lot of shit in her life. And I won't put her business out there, but we had built up a good relationship between us. And I knew that what had been going on with her. And I, you know, I tried to make time for her where I could, if she needed to text or call because I cared, you know, sometimes as simply as you care about somebody. So you make time for them, you know, small acts of kindness really can save someone's life. I cannot stress this enough. It's huge. Okay. So one night she had been sending like some short cryptic messages about hating life. She couldn't do it anymore. Life wasn't worth it. You know, A lot of people have seen this. A lot of you have seen this. Or maybe you're somebody that has sent that text yourself or that phone call. Or maybe you didn't say anything at all. Before I continue, I want to say that just because someone's reason for killing themselves may not make sense to you. Or maybe just seems ridiculous does not mean that it's still not a reason for someone to die. 
That is their reason, and it's enough for them to end it. So do not miss an opportunity to be there for someone when their problem seems so simple to you or something that doesn't make sense. It makes sense to them. Your reason to live is not their reason to live. So be patient with someone, you know, and be accepting towards them. Okay, moving on. So at the beginning of those texts, of course, and so I call her and I call her. It's going to voicemail. I'm not getting everything. And a pit is starting to form in my stomach. And shortly after that, I get a text that simply said, I'm sorry, goodbye. Which for that moment really just everything stopped. Unfortunately, I didn't live nearby and I wouldn't be able to make it there anytime soon. So I called 911 and I got transferred over to where she lived. I gave them all the information that I could and I got off the phone with them and all I could do was wait. And hours had gone by and I didn't hear anything. And I had, I had basically worried for the worst because there's nothing you can do at that point. You put it in someone else's hands and you go from there. But I finally got a call from her mom um, because she knew me and she knew that we were good friends and I had built up a relationship with all of them. And I had found out that the emergency services had got there and she told me that they got there just in time to stop the bleeding and to stop her from dying. And she was going to make it. Now, I look back on this a lot, and I've had a few different instances like this in my life, but if I hadn't built up that type of relationship, if I hadn't made it available for her to talk to me, who knows what could have happened? You know, obviously I didn't get that much, and she didn't reach out for help per se, but. She sent those text messages and maybe she wouldn't have even sent them at all or maybe I wouldn't have even known what was going on in her life. My point is is that you never know what someone is going through unless they feel safe enough with you or trust you enough to talk about it, which is why it's so important to make yourself a safe place for someone, you know? And on the other side, if you are that person going through it, then please talk to someone. You might be surprised with the outcome. You know, and I was at many points in my life. Don't wait until you've got nothing left. You've got no more fight left. Talk to somebody. If you have good people in your life, you know for a fact that they're good people. They're not going to turn you away. And good things can happen if you don't realize it. So all of this to say, go and try. Go and try. Being vulnerable is hard, but there are so many benefits to being vulnerable with someone, with people, with new things in life. Try that possibility of a new romance. I know you got hurt before, and maybe this new person that's come across sounds great on paper, but are they for real? You know, you ask yourself those questions, give it a try. Or maybe there isn't a specific someone. Go experience new people and find someone that will nurture your vulnerabilities if that's something that you are searching for. Maybe be vulnerable with yourself and don't get into a relationship. Take your time. Get to know yourself. Love yourself. Be truthful with yourself. You know, But take that chance for the possibility of real love, real self-love, real love with someone else. 
try that career move that could be really hard to get. Don't let the fear of failing keep you from opening up to new possibilities. Try trust. And that's, that's a big one. Try to trust again. Just try. Just try being vulnerable and see what happens. You don't need to be safe anymore. Okay? So just try. Well, thank you for listening. And I really hope that, you know, you can take something from this and share this with someone uh, that you think needs it or take it yourself. You know, as always, if you ever have a topic you'd like, you know, me to talk about, or maybe you have a story of your own, send me a message on Instagram. Um, you can find me at blowing underscore smoke cast. There's also a link in my personal Instagram page that goes to there. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to people. It'd be great. I'm going to try to stick to releasing an episode every other week and we'll see how that works out. Um, but thank you, you know, thank you coming listening. This has been a wonderful time for me and it's exciting. Um, it's new and it's, it's been a really, really good time recording and doing a bunch of this stuff. So, uh, as I did before, I'm going to give my random recommendation. Um, and my random recommendation, my random recommendation for this week is have a music night. Um, have a night away from your phone, computer, games, TV, all that stuff. Turn your speaker on and just kind of vibe out and have some good music. Give your brain a break. I like to do this every once in a while. Um, I have a screened in front porch and I take my speaker out there and I like to watch the sunset and, you know, may have pour myself a little glass of whiskey, have a little smoke a cigar and just relax and just vibe out for a while and just stay off my phone for a few hours. It's great. It's a really good reset and you don't have to do it alone. Shit. Do it with a group of people. Do it with your friends. Do it with your spouse. Just, you know, get away from things for a little bit. It's nice. Um, it's a good time, but Again, thank you for joining me, and if you like this, then stick around some more, and I'll share a story with you. A big thank you for the Blowing Smoke theme song, which was written and performed by a good friend, Zandretti.